eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Finsider Radio, part of TheFinsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, and I am joined by Josh Houts today. And for this podcast, we unfortunately do not have Aaron Sutton with us. He did something to his computer. He won't tell us what quite what it was, but he says it's not working anymore. He says it's completely fried. He said it's gone, done, shot, modem is gone. Uh, Houts, you know... We joke about this. People joke about this, but maybe Sutton really did do what we think he did. Yeah, I think there's no doubt he's been downloading massive amounts of porn, and I think it finally caught up to him. He wanted you to build him a computer so he can get back on track, but <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. He says his kids like messed with it and did something to it. It's it's definitely Yeah, he's trying to blame it on the kids, and that's just not going to fly since his kids are all under the age of five or four, I believe. But when you do have six kids, it's easy to blame one of them. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but we're not going to let him get away with this. If you are on Twitter, you can tweet him at Sutton Laces Out and just ask him where he was for this episode. He actually abandoned us at the recap episode as well. So he's been having a rough few weeks after Dolphins losses. The first time with the Bengals, walked over to Kentucky, walked to a completely different state from Paul Brown Stadium. And now his computer just is absolutely fried after the Dolphins lost to the Lions. So this Ryan, the, the Ryan Tannehill injury is really hitting home for Sutton. He's just he's over it. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get over the fact that Brock Osweiler is playing a little better football than Ryan Tannehill. Yes, I just said that. Brock Osweiler is playing at least, at the very least, the same kind of football Ryan Tannehill was better. But he, I think he's went beyond that. We'll talk about that throughout this podcast. But first... You mentioned injuries, and the Dolphins are absolutely decimated with injuries as they get ready to take on the Houston, Texas on Thursday night football on Fox. The Dolphins 4-3 and three, taking on the Texans 4-3. and three. It has been no short of injuries 
each and every week throughout this season for the Miami Dolphins, we get through training camp and we say the Dolphins are injury-free. There's just minor scrapes and bruises, but nothing crazy. And then you get into the season, and it is absolutely insane. Simon Clancy tweeted out earlier. He said, as Albert Wilson goes to injured reserve, Miami have missed or are missing these players for multiple games in 2018. Ryan Tannehill, Marquise Gray, A.J. Derby, Josh Sitton, Ted Larson, Daniel Kilgore, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, Cameron Wake, Charles Harris, Albert Hayes, and Woodard. Linebackers, Mike Hall and Chase Allen in the secondary, Rashad Jones and Bobby McCain, also Andre Branch. And he went on to further explain, franchise quarterback, all-pro left guard, starting center, former first-round wide receiver, two starting wide receivers, including $40 million man Kenny Stills, 2017 first-round defensive end, Pro Bowl left and Pro Bowl safety, special teams captain, starting cornerback, and the Dolphins are 4-3. and three. As we look at the injury report for Thursday night, it is on both sides a mess. It is a war zone. Amendola limited in practice on Tuesday. They didn't really fully practice, but if they were to fully practice, that's what the injury designation would have been. They had a walkthrough Monday evening. They had a walkthrough again on Tuesday, and they flew to Texas on Tuesday evening to get acclimated to the environment. And Adam Gase point blank said that what they've done during his two years there on Thursday night football has not worked. I think it's something they've been outscored 52 to seven. So they're going a day early. They're going to try to get there, get settled in and be ready to go for Thursday night. Mike Gazicki limited, but he's expected to play. TJ McDonald limited, expected to play. Ryan Tannehill limited. And they're only saying limited because he threw with his left hand. Don't read too much into that. Charles Harris did not make the trip to Houston. Kenny still did not make the trip to Houston. Albert Wilson, of course, on IR. AJ Derby did not make the trip to Houston. So those guys are out. On the Texans' side of the ball, Kiki Kuti looks like he's going to be out for Thursday night, which is a break for the Dolphins. DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's going to be questionable, but we expect for him to play. All signs point to that. Sharice uh, Wright, cornerback for the Texans, limited and did not practice is inside linebacker Brian Peters. So when you look at the Miami Dolphins' outs, when you look at all of that, it's just, again, crazy. It's just... So many injuries. And before we get to Albert Wilson and who's going to step up in his absence, I want to ask you, and I want our listeners to think about this as well. Is there any type of correlation between the amount of injuries that Dolphins have had this season and the training staff? Or better yet, is there some kind of correlation? Because, listen, the University of Miami football team has just as many injuries, if not more, than the Dolphins. And they both play on the grass at Hard Rock Stadium. While they're not practicing it on every day, some of these injuries have come during game day. And we saw Albert Wilson, just what a fluke injury. Gets tackled by the shoelaces, plants his foot the wrong way, and now he has a serious hip issue. It's crazy. Is there a correlation house between the training staff and the field at Hard Rock Stadium or do you think it's just bad luck? I I think it's all of the above. I mean, it's hard to say it's the training staff because we don't see the everyday, uh, you know, the way they go through their their work each and every day, the way they go out there and they treat these players, you know, what they do and what they don't do. So it's kind of hard to blame it on the conditioning team. But at, 
we've all seen the Hard Rock Stadium. We've all seen how beautiful it is when you get there. You know, it's just everything that Stephen Ross could imagine, but the field is just atrocious. You got the Hurricanes playing there usually the day before. Then the Dolphins have to go out there and play on the same field. Uh, so I think you may be onto something with that. I mean, I think if anything, I would point to that as more of an issue. You know, the, the poor field conditions, the way this field holds up from game to game, and just an overall presence in that South Florida sun. I mean, you can't tell me that the sun, the heat, playing at home. I mean, I know they have the home field advantage with their white jerseys and whatnot, but you can't tell me that that heat doesn't have something to do with, you know, the way they are uh, physically the way they go out there each and every day and perform in it, it, it has to eventually take a toll on them. But you, you're right. I mean, that Albert Wilson play, that uh, it's just it's just seems to be that things are just catching up with the Dolphins. We all talked about throughout training camp and preseason, you know, how healthy they were. And we we're kind of knocking on wood and saying, you know, this is this is year that we have no excuses. This team is healthy. And then just all went downhill. Josh sitting. I mean, you can just sit there and name player after player. They just would go down. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, he was a guy, you know, no one wanted to draft a backup quarterback because Ryan Tannehill wasn't injury prone. It was just a fluke knee injury that uh, reoccurred, and, you know, he was going to come back and be better than ever. And then his shoulder got hurt. It seemed like it happened, I think it was in Oakland, then it happened again against Cincinnati. So uh, I think it's just bad luck mixed with, you know, the poor field conditions, mixed with the conditioning. Uh, and overall, I mean, this is what good teams do. They overcome these situations. Is it easy to overcome a starting quarterback going down? Uh, heck no. Is it easy to overcome, you know, your star wide receiver going down? Absolutely not. You're three starters on the offensive line. It's almost impossible for teams to overcome, but they still seem to do it. You blamed off the Houston Texans, their injury report. It's just as long as the Dolphins. Uh, sure, a lot of their players aren't as significant maybe, but they have just as many players injured and just as many people questionable heading into Thursday night game. So uh, both teams are banged up. It's a four and three showdown. I mean, this has playoff implications. It's going to be hard for the Dolphins to win on the road, but good teams overcome this. And we just hope the Dolphins can go out there and take care of business. I'm just going to drop this injury nugget for you because you said that every team has their injuries and you are absolutely correct. There's a team that has 10 players on injured reserve. And that team is the New England Patriots, and they have not showed any signs of slowing down. Yes, they have Tom Brady, but it comes down to coaching. It comes down to coaching. It comes down to players. It comes down to depth. And the Patriots seem they could lose anybody, even their quarterback. We've seen it with Garoppolo. We've seen it with Jacoby Brissett. We've seen it with Matt Castle. They could lose anybody, and they don't miss a beat. It's very frustrating sometimes to watch them, but you got to respect what they do because they are just so good at it. And it does come to a point sometimes. And Joe Buck said this in uh, Barry Jackson's Miami Herald article that he has never seen. He can't remember any team that he's covered it so hard hit by injuries this early in the season. So there is a point where you say how much is too much to overcome. And while you want to look at the Patriots like I just did, sometimes you need to take a step back and say the Patriots are an outlier and they're away from the circle while everyone else is more towards the circle. It's frustrating, but again, at the end of the day, the Dolphins are four and three with all these injuries. The biggest one on the Dolphins list, the latest one is Albert Wilson, who is on injured reserve. And he was an absolute playmaker for the Dolphins this season. He single-handedly, in my opinion, won the game against the Raiders. He won the game against the Bears. And I think, and as we said on our recap show, 
I think he would have beaten the Lions had he stayed in the lineup through the entire game because he was so close to breaking quite a few runs off. In this season, he had 26 receptions on 35 targets for 391 yards. Averaged 15 yards per reception. His longs was 75. Four touchdowns. Four touchdowns on 26 receptions. That's crazy. Yeah, his numbers aren't like outstanding, but when he got the ball, he made the absolute most of his opportunities. Kenny Stills is out on Thursday as well. So how it's in the absence of Wilson and Stills, and Stills will be just probably for this week, be back for the Jets game. But Albert Wilson is done for this season. The Dolphins already used their two designations on the players eligible to return later this season on Jake Brendel and Mike Hull. You only get two designations per season, so Albert Wilson is the third, and that's going to be that. Jakeem Grant has an opportunity to step up. Danny Amendola has an opportunity to step up, and even Devontae Parker, which is a whole different situation in itself. So for you, Howitz, who do you think is going to step up in Albert Wilson's absence? Who do you think is going to benefit the most from his absence? Man, that's a tough question. I think it's funny that you know Sunday came and we all were kind of like, okay, Devontae Parker seems to be a healthy scratch. He's definitely getting traded there's no way he's going to be on this football team and then Kenny Stills goes down Albert Wilson goes down and now people are like okay Parker he honestly and jokingly may be the most healthy receiver on the roster so as easy as it is to say you know he's going to be that guy that steps up uh, we've seen time and time again us we got our hopes up you know he had that connection with Jay Cutler in preseason last year we've seen him make plays with Tannehill I mean you see him flash this greatness what you would expect from a first round draft pick and then it just doesn't translate throughout the game so I mean uh, you'd like to say Devontae Parker, you know, he's that true number one wide receiver. He's that big body on the outside. He's the guy that the Dolphins desperately need to make this offense work. And you hope he can go out there and make plays and do exactly what he has yet to do for the Dolphins. But uh, I'll see it when I believe it. So for me, uh, Danny Amendola is going to be that security blanket underneath. I mean, he currently leads the team with 30 receptions, 294 yards, only one touchdown. Uh, losing Wilson's huge. It's funny because third, right behind Wilson with one less reception, is Kenyon Drake. And I think we saw it a bit last week. You see the way that uh, Adam Gase likes to get those mismatches on the outside. So I do think he's going to see a lot of targets. I do think you know they might see those double sets in the back with him and Gore, and then he'll motion out. Uh, I think he's going to show some things in the passing game. But for me, it's easy decision, and it's uh, honestly, there's, there's really no, uh, no other way around it. Jakeem Grant, I mean, he's a guy who – has 16 receptions on the year, 216 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he has that same big play ability that you see with Albert Wilson. He takes those little screens and can just take it to the house. Every time he touches the football, he does those little motion routes in the backfield. Uh, I think they're going to use him a lot the way they did Albert Wilson. So for me, as much as I want to see Devontae Parker step up, as much as I think Kenyon Drake's going to see some targets, Danny Amendola being the security blanket, even Mike Jasicki in there, I think it's going to come down to Jakeem Grant. Uh, it's time for him to step up and be that playmaker that we all know he can become. He showed a few flashes against the Lions, getting open for some respectable gains. But you're right, he hasn't been that guy that everyone saw on tape in college. But honestly, if you listen to our show and you listen to the people who know what they're talking about, you all know that tight ends don't make a huge impact their first year in the NFL anyway. So his lack of success so far has not surprised me, but it would be nice as we near the halfway mark of the season for him to start turning it up a notch. With the injuries to the receivers and how it's like you said, those who will benefit from the absence of Albert Wilson, the Dolphins are one of the league's leaders in coming out in 11 personnel. And what that means is in the formations they come out with at the line of scrimmage and offense, 
11 means one running back, one tight end, and then you fill in the rest, right? The five offensive linemen, and then you got the three receivers for a total of 11 with the quarterback as well. So the Dolphins are one of the league leaders, if not near the top of the league. So they like to come out on three receiver sets. Again, they have Jakeem Grant. They have Devontae Parker. And that's it for Thursday, right? And Danny Amendola. So you're going to put Amendola in a slot, probably Grant on the outside. Devontae on the outside. You're going to get either Leontay Carew and or Isaiah Ford promoted from the practice squad for Thursday's game. You're going to put them most likely on the outside as well. But the Dolphins also have some good tight ends, like you said. They have Nick O'Leary, who's come on very strong. They have Mike Gazicki, who we just kind of talked about there. And those two together coming on the field and catching passes, I, th- I think will work for the Dolphins. They also have Durham Smythe, who's more of a run blocker, but he may get in- involved as well. So how do you think we're going to see a lot more 12 personnel, which again would be one running back, two tight ends, two receivers, offensive line and quarterback, or are we going to see 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, two receivers? Because they did say Kalen Bellage is going to be more involved, and he was in the game some against the Lions, and they had plays for him, but they just couldn't pull it off because of the guys that were out of the game due to injuries. So what, how do you see the Dolphins moving forward with formations on Thursday night and countering the fact that they're only going to have four receivers active, maybe five? Yeah, obviously they're going to do a little bit of everything here, but I do think they are going to move to more heavier sets. You know, that 12 personnel, heck, maybe even some 13. I mean, they're definitely going to utilize those bigger tight ends to help counter uh, what they have in the receiving game as well as the Houston Texans pass defense. I mean, no one can deny what Jadavian Clowney is or J.J. Watt. I mean, those guys are a problem. Yes, we saw Laramie Tunsil and Jawan James put Khalil Mack on a milk cart, and he might not be the same again after that. I mean, he didn't. He was completely invisible this week as well. So uh, they they have gone out there and they have countered some of those better pass rushers. But I think the Dolphins would be wise to go out there and and use the Dermon Smice, the uh, Mike Jasicki's. The Nick O'Leary's have those bigger tight ends out there to help in the run game, help block, and to eventually go out there and make plays because you said it best. We both said it. Danny Amendola, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, maybe Isaiah Ford, maybe Dante Carew. But this receiving core is a lot different than the one we saw last week. It's definitely a lot different than the one we saw back in week one. So I think we will see a lot more of those bigger sets. Uh, you kind of hope to see Mike Jasicki go out there and make those plays, line up on the outside, maybe get some one-on-one looks. Nick O'Leary, he came on strong. Uh, two weeks ago, and he kind of showed us exactly what a tight end can do in this offense. And Darren Smythe, I mean, he's a pass blocker, kind of that Anthony Fasano. So I think we're going to see a lot more 12 personnel, maybe even some 13, but I think that's going to help counter that pass rush, like I said, help in the run game, and eventually give give uh, Brock Osweiler a couple more targets on the outside. Sticking with this injury theme, let's jump to the other side of the uh, field with the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, very serious injury he's dealing with. Some are saying it's bruised lungs. Others are saying it's collapsed lungs. Regardless, there is something wrong with his lungs and his ribs. Something so wrong that he couldn't even fly to Jacksonville for their week seven game against the Jaguars. He actually rode a 12-hour bus trip to Jacksonville. It was a custom bus. Yes, it had everything that you needed on a bus to be uh, comfortable and to get what he needed to get done in terms of watching film and 
getting rest and eating the right types of food. But nonetheless, they did not fly him because they were afraid the air pressure would have an adverse effect on his lungs and his ribs. For the Dolphins, this should be amazing news, right? You get the pass rush going, you knock him up a bit. And while it sucks to say this because he's a human being, it is the game of football. And you're doing whatever you can to win and weaken the opponent. So with that mindset, right, you get the pass rush going, you do what you got to do, you ruffle him up. But then you think, wait, the Dolphins don't really have a pass rush, right? They have, what, three combined sacks from Cameron Wake, Robert Quinn, and Andre Branch? They're not getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback. It's it's a game where you would say in training camp, the Dolphins' defensive line was one of the strings, and you would say, okay, this is a perfect game for them. Unless something clicks for them on Thursday, I don't see them making a huge impact with Deshaun Watson. And I think that the only way to do that is obviously hit him, knock him to the ground, sack him, make him think, make him feel it, make it hurt. Add to the fact that he's a scrambler. So the Dolphins are going to be a little extra cautious with their pass rush, setting the edge a bit more. And we know the Dolphins have struggled with scrambling quarterbacks, just like they've struggled with scat backs out of the backfield. But for you, Houts, you know, if you're the Dolphins defensive coordinator, if you're Matt Burke for a week, game planning against this Houston Texans team and Deshaun Watson, how are you instructing your defensive line to go after Deshaun Watson? If I'm Matt Burke, I'm angry at the way that my team's played these last two weeks. So if, if that were me, I'd be livid right now. I would uh, be reaming these guys out day in and day out in practice because the way they imploded last week against that uh, Detroit Lions run game. They have 248 yards on the ground, so I'd be furious if I was Matt Burke. But the way I'd attack Deshaun Watson, and I joked about it. You know, remember back when you first learned how to work a computer? Oregon Trail was a huge game, and you would try to cross through the river with your ox, and you know they die, and you just laugh because you change all the names to your friends. That's what Deshaun Watson reminds <laughs> me of. Deshaun Watson's trying to get back from Jacksonville on the Oregon Trail back to Houston, and it, it's just a crazy story. I mean, I've personally have never heard of such a thing where a quarterback is that much in pain, whether it be his lungs, his ribs, whatever it may be, that he can't even fly to the, to his next game. So uh, there's definitely something there, and I think if you're Matt Burke, you got to go out there. You have to attack Deshaun Watson. you got to hit him. I mean, is, in today's NFL, I mean, any hit's going to get penalized. Even We've seen hits that don't even connect. They got penalized. People got fined. I, I think it was – was a TJ Watt got fined for a hit that I don't even think he grazed the quarterback's ankle. So it's a risky, risky game to play in today's NFL, but you definitely have to get to the quarterback. You got to send some of those exotic blitzes. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick can blitz. We saw Rashad Jones, what he can do as a, as a rusher off the edge. You have to find creative ways to get to the quarterback because if you hit Watson early, I mean, if those ribs, those lungs are as bad as they say, hitting him is going to be what could be the factor in this game. Uh, Houston does not have a very good offensive line, so you'd like to hope that Robert Quinn, Cameron Wake, Andre Branch, you'd like to hope that those guys can get to the quarterback. But we've seen in the last few weeks, uh, honestly, the entire season, they've been struggling to get to the quarterback. I mean, as cliche as it is, as much as we as fans might say, you know, it's these holding penalties. I don't know about you, but I've seen Robert Quinn. He looks like he gets held on almost every play. You just see him coming around the edge. He looks like he's a free shot, and he just gets caught up, and you know nothing's ever called. So I think they need to go out there, and they need to do what they've done to get to this place. I mean, Cameron Wake, he is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and he's been invisible. Yes, he's been injured, but he hasn't done much this year. Robert Quinn, they gave up a fourth-round pick. Sure, that's not a lot, but you'd like to see him build upon what you saw in the preseason because he looked like he was going to be a dominant pass rusher. Uh, 
you got to get Vincent Taylor out there in the interior, Devon Godshall, those guys are, are what this game's going to come down to. So you got to beat the offensive line. You got to send the heat from all angles and you got to hit Deshaun Watson throughout the game. Uh, body bag season. We talked about, we joked about when Andre Branch hit Taylor Lewan back in week one, they got to go out there and they got to make Deshaun Watson pay. And, and that's going to be the key to this victory. One guy who Deshaun Watson will be throwing to is DeAndre Hopkins and DeAndre Hopkins and Xavier Howard in the news for probably all the wrong reasons in terms of why you want to keep quiet before a big matchup for both teams. Xavier Howard started it all by saying Hopkins likes to push off a bit and gets away with it. DeAndre Hopkins fired back to a reporter and said, who's Xavier Howard? Now, there was another report from a minor reporter. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but Hopkins had talked to a player currently on the Dolphins a few years ago, and he was raving about how good Xavier Howard is. So obviously, Hopkins knows Howard. Let's not be silly here. He's just doing it for dramatic effect. But with that in mind, Xavier Howard has struggled as of late. DeAndre Hopkins has not. DeAndre Hopkins is an animal. Uh, you you saw the Dolphins struggle, not struggle a bit with A.J. Green, but A.J. Green got his catches. I think DeAndre Hopkins is better. We've seen no matter who's in a quarterback for the Texans over the years, DeAndre Hopkins still thrives and still succeeds. This year, 47 receptions on 71 targets, 707 yards, four touchdowns, averaging 15 yards per reception along of 49. When you got this matchup with Xavier Howard, DeAndre Hopkins, I think Xavier is a little hungry right now. And I think DeAndre may have woken up, not a sleeping giant, but a guy who's been eager to get back on track. And this may come back to haunt DeAndre on Thursday Night Football. House, what do you think? Yeah, there's no question that DeAndre Hopkins is one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. We all remember that catch. I think it was last year that he had in the corner of the end zone. I believe it was against Pittsburgh. You just see this guy making play after play. I mean, if we as Dolphin fans, we would love to have a DeAndre Hopkins. But I think this is kind of a nice little banner back and forth. Xavier Howard, I mean, he's telling the truth. We see DeAndre Hopkins. We know how these wide receivers are. You know, they, they get a little handsy, and it never seems to be called. And then it's the complete opposite for the defensive backs. Xavier Howard got called on a penalty. I believe it was a crucial uh, third down play late in the game against Detroit. I remember uh, it pretty vividly. He was in good position, and they called a pass interference there, and it kind of kept the drive alive and ultimately put the fork in the Dolphins. So you see these plays that you know a receiver makes that don't quite get called against a defensive back. So there's no question DeAndre Hopkins is a bit handsy. He likes to push off. Uh, but to hear him come out and then go, who's Xavier Howard? The player you were referencing, I believe it was Bobby McCain, came out and said that him and DeAndre Hopkins talked a year or two ago, and he – raved about what Xavier Howard was becoming as a shutdown corner. So, I mean, this is, as a nerdy wrestling fan, this is pretty much WrestleMania. This is a main event here. If the Dolphins want to win this game, they need Xavier Howard to go out there and show the world that he's an elite shutdown corner. Uh, no better receiver in the NFL than DeAndre Hopkins. So, it, it's going to be fun to watch these two battle it out on Thursday. Xavier Howard leads the NFL with seven interceptions in his past 12 games. Nearly had one against the Lions, but went right through his hands, I believe, into the hands of Golden Tate. We'll see if Howard can shut down Hopkins. It is assumed that he will shadow him throughout the night on Thursday. We're going to need a big game from Howard. The Dolphins want to stay in this game and be in it when a fourth quarter comes for a chance to go 5-3. and three. A few more notes. He's had 14 passes defense in his past 11 games. He's tied for fourth in the NFL in that span. His three interceptions in 2018 are tied for the NFL lead. 
He's the first cornerback in Dolphins history to have multiple interceptions in consecutive games. And he has burst onto the scene, but again, he has struggled a bit over the past few weeks. Minka Fitzpatrick has also struggled some, which we talked about on our recap show, but there's no doubt in my mind he will get better. With the war of wards going on between Hopkins and Howard, there were other war of wards going on with Jadavian Clowney. And while it was not pushed back from the Dolphins or anyone on the Dolphins, Jadavian Clowney basically said about Brock Osweiler, we don't care about him. He's not here anymore. They didn't win a lot when he was here. Pressure him, make him throw some interceptions, and move on and have a great day. Very nonchalantly, but a targeted hit on Osweiler. And I know Osweiler gets a lot of crap based on the way he's played in the past. I said at the top of the show that I think he's played just as good football as Ryan Tannehill, if not better. This season, so far, he's completed 54 of 80 passes at 67.5% for 654 yards, 6 touchdowns, and a QB rating of 107. His 8.18 yards per attempt is 7th in the NFL, and his 107 rating is 8th among quarterbacks with a minimum of 75 pass attempts. That's kind of impressive. I mean, obviously, the guys above him, 7 through 1, Drew Brees at the top with 220 attempts, Carson Wentz at 7 with 195 attempts. Brock Osweiler with 80 attempts. Obviously won't catch up to him. But I I think these Texans might be in for a little bit of a surprise come Thursday night when the Brock Osweiler they thought they were going to see is not the same Brock Osweiler they are going to see. Adam Gates in a conference call to Houston Media on Tuesday basically said that Brock Osweiler, there's no one else who knows the offense better than Brock than Adam Gates himself. Adam Gase said Brock grew up in the offense. He knows exactly what Adam Gase wants to do. He kn- Brock knows exactly what to do with the football when the ball is snapped. And even before the snap, and we've seen Brock take command at the line of scrimmage. Brock is going to go into Thursday, even though he's going to be saying all the right things, that this is not a revenge game. This is just another game. You know, Brock, it's in the back of your mind that you are looking to go out and prove all these people wrong. The Houston Texans paid you a boatload of money and they shipped you out. They paid the Browns to take you from them. You know, everyone knows you are going to go out to try to prove yourself. Another guy trying to prove himself is Lamar Miller, who the Dolphins let go, let walk in free agency, and he signed a contract with the Houston Texans. But last week, Lamar Miller went over 100 yards and looked good doing so against the Jaguars. You know, Lamar Miller is going to want a revenge game too because it was Adam Gase first year as head coach who saw Lamar Miller walk out the door. And while Adam Gase, their story goes, wanted him, the Dolphins uppers said, we're not going to pay a running back that much money. For you, Houts, who do you think is going to have the bigger revenge game, Brock Osweiler or Lamar Miller? Well, first, we just got to give credit to Brock Osweiler because like you said, he's going out there and he's playing a football that I don't think any of us even knew Brock Osweiler could it's clear that he knows Adam Gase's offense inside and out. The stuff he does pre-snap reminds you of a poor man's Peyton Manning. I mean, the way he lines a team up, the way he audibles hot routes, gets receivers in the right positions, checks checks the offensive line coverage. I mean, he does it all, and he does it so well. Um, so those first two games that he started, I mean, you got to be impressed with that. If he can keep that up throughout the year, I mean, it would be hard to bring Ryan Tannehill back, but that's a discussion for another day in time. 
I do think he's going to go out there, like you said, and he's going to show revenge. Yes, Houston paid him a four-year, $72 million contract. No, he's probably was not worth that. But in today's day and age, what quarterbacks make, I mean, who's to say this? I mean, if, if the Brock Osweiler we're seeing right now with Adam Gase is, uh, you know, real and it's not going to come crashing back down to earth, who's to say that man's not worth four years, $72 million? I mean, yes, he never lived up to that in Houston. I don't know what Jay Davian Clowney's saying because I believe the Texans won the AFC South that year and they made it to the play- postseason. So, I mean, what more can you ask for from a guy? He never really got a chance to succeed there in Houston. They moved on from him rather quickly, and uh, I think he's going to go out there and he's going to show the world, you know, the Brock Osweiler that he is. He's been broken, battered, and bruised throughout his career. I mean, he's been the, a guy that everyone just kind of kicks fun at, makes jokes of. I myself went out and said I'd rather keep two kickers than Brock Osweiler back in preseason. He went out and balled in that fourth game, and uh, he's showing why he stuck around because he knows this offense inside and out. And if it wasn't for him, this season won't be what it is right now. So as much as I like to see Brock Osweiler go out there and say, you know what, he's going to get that revenge game, you got to look at Lamar Miller. I mean, Miami's run defense has been atrocious these last few weeks. on Johnson, Matthew Stafford, LeGarrette Blount. I mean, that entire offense just ran the football down our throats. Even Amir Abdullah had some action there. So uh, after seeing what they did last week, the week before with Chicago, you know, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, they had their way. The week before that, you know, Cincinnati, New England, they all just kind of went out there and our run defense we thought was pretty well. We thought they were doing pretty good, and then they just got gashed. It looked like Swiss cheese. So I think Lamar Miller is going to have a a revenge game. I think he's going to go out there and have more uh, statistical output than maybe a Brock Osweiler. You know, Lamar Miller might have two touchdowns. He, he might be the difference maker. And as much as you want to see Brock Osweiler go out there and be that gunslinger, be the guy who ends up winning this game for the Dolphins, I think a lot of it's going to come down to to that Houston run defense and, and how well they execute things. So for me, I think Lamar Miller is going to have the big revenge game, although I'd love to see what Brock Osweiler can do. I even said myself I'd quit Twitter indefinitely if Brock Osweiler made the final 53-man roster, and here he is, the starting quarterback halfway through the season. And yes, he is playing football like Ryan Tannehill, if not a little better. We'll see if Brock comes back down to earth on Thursday night. I'm not so sure he will. I think he's going to keep improving again. I said a zebra can change their stripes. And I think Brock Osweiler is in the perfect environment to do this. Brock Osweiler is going to need some help, though, from Laramie Tunsil, who's going to going up against Jadavion Clowney. Tunsil has been vastly improved from last season and has improved each and every week. And without him, the Dolphins' offensive line is completely different. Going up against a guy like Clown, remember there's J.J. Watt on the other side with Juwan James too. So looking at these two matchups, it's going to be huge for the Dolphins' offensive line. They were able to contain Khalil Mack and the Bears' defensive line and pass rush. There's no reason why they shouldn't be able to do it again. How do you see them slowing down these guys at all? Again, the Dolphins probably want to get the ball out quickly like they have been doing the past few weeks and taking their vertical shots when they get a chance. They're going to have to give the ball to Kenyon Drake. They're going to have to give the ball to Frank Gore to keep these defensive linemen in check. The Dolphins cannot get behind early or late for that matter because then it's just free load pass rush and the Dolphins won't stand a chance when you're in that situation. Play action, make them freeze up. You have to establish the ground game early. I know the Dolphins have tried to do that. And then they kind of abandon it halfway through because they get down so much. 
It's no easy situation, no easy solution. It's easy to say, establish the ground game, do this, 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 and this. But I think some screen passes, some short slants, some quick passes, play action, like I said, freeze up the defensive linemen, freeze up the linebackers, and then make the plays happen. What do you think, Houts? Yeah, I mentioned DeAndre Hopkins and Xavier Howard kind of being that WrestleMania main event match, but, I mean, this got to be a co-one. Tunsil Clowney, Jawan James, J.J. Watt, I mean, those are two of the better pass rushers in the NFL going against, in our opinion, uh, you know, this is one of the better bookends in the NFL. I think it's probably the top five left-right tackle tandem, so it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, two, three weeks ago, whether or not I'd say, you know, Tunsil could stop J. Davian Clowney, J.J. Watt could go one-on-one with Jawan James and things could work out in our favor. I mean, I would probably be laughing, but after what they did to Cleo Mack, after what they've done all season long, I think that they can contain those two edge rushers. I think you said it best. I mean, going out there and countering with those quick passes, those screens, I mean, that's kind of the Adam Gase offense that you're seeing now with Brock Osweiler in control. You see him getting the team set up, like we mentioned. They're just, he, he seems to know where he's going with the football as soon as the ball is snapped. And it's not the same way that you see Brock Osweiler, you know, that predetermined out route that he threw with Albert Wilson that got picked off uh, against Chicago, I believe it was. I mean, you see him going out there, and he knows exactly where he's going with the football. He's making all the right decisions. So that's the best way to counter this pass rush. But those screens to Kenyon Drake, those quick passes to Jakeem Grant, to Danny Amendola, Mike Jasicki's going to get involved. Uh, you go out there and you counter that pass rush with those things. Maybe you run a little bit more 12 personnel like we mentioned earlier in the show maybe even a little 13 but I think one-on-one Laramie Tunsil can take on Jadavion Clowney and as crazy as it may sound Jawan James should be able to counter what J.J. Watt brings to the table so is that edge rush as scary as it may have been a couple weeks ago I don't think it is I think the Dolphins have a plan of attack they're going to go out there and they're going to count those quick passes and that's the recipe for success if they can keep Rock Osweiler upright good things can happen in our view. And now it's time for our keys of the game. Dolphins versus Texans. Thursday night football. Dolphins 4-3. Texans 4-3. Short week, obviously, for both teams. Dolphins coming off a loss to the Lions. Texans coming off a victory over the Jaguars. Texans 4-0 in their last four games, looking to make it 5 Dolphins looking to right the ship once again and get to five and three before heading off into their mini buy and May Ford facing the Jets on November 4th. For me, I just kind of said it in the previous segment, establish the run game. And I'm going to say stop the run game as well, because the Dolphins tried to stop the passing game in Detroit and they were successful for the most part. Yes, some long gains here and there. But they got absolutely destroyed by the run game. Carry on Johnson and Garrett Blunt. If the Dolphins stop the run game and make the Texans one-dimensional, then you know what's coming as a defense. You can attack the quarterback more. You can get your linebackers out in space covering the receivers and tight ends because you know that's what's coming. And guys can just do what they have to do. I think it's important. Yes, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, you have Will Fuller. Kuti is probably out. But I don't think that receivers are going to do the most damage to you. They might get some long catches. They might get a long touchdown pass. Absolutely. It's the NFL. It's a game. But if you allow the Texans to control the clock, control the line of scrimmage with the run game, 
It obviously keeps the Dolphins' defense on the field, runs out the time, wears out the defense. So if the Dolphins' offense goes three and out, which they had done plenty of times this season, it's just a compounding effect over and over and over again before the defense finally just wears out and can't give any more. So for me, establish a run game, lots of play action, short passes, open it up when you can, don't force it, and then zone in on the run game. You might get burned a little bit in the first quarter, but adjust as the game goes on and make the Texans one-dimensional. How about you, Houts? Yeah, that all sounds well and good, but I mean, we all know it's not going to go quite as we seem. I mean, you want to eliminate their run game. We thought we'd do the same thing against Detroit, who you know is heading into that game with one of the weaker run games in the NFL in quite some time, and they just went out there and gashed us. So I'm not sure it'll be that easy. I think the biggest thing is going to be to counter their passing attack. I mean, if you stop the run, you put the ball into Sean Watson's hands, there's room there to, you know, make those hits that we talked about, get to him, rattle him a little bit, but Ultimately, DeAndre Hopkins, Xavier Howard, we mentioned that time and time again. That is going to be a huge matchup. If DeAndre Hopkins can can get away from Xavier Howard, big things are going to happen. You got Minka, you got Will Fuller, Bobby McCain. I mean, they got the playmakers on the outside. The Dolphins need to counter that in their secondary. They need to get to the quarterback. They need to make Deshaun Watson make mistakes. They got to hit him early, and they got to make him feel that that issue that he's having with the ribs, the lungs, whatever it may be. Get to him, knock him on his butt, uh, force force him to go out there and beat you because like you said if you can stop that run which Miami looked terrible against last week if you can stop that run game force Deshaun Watson to make plays uh he's not the same as he was last year he's not the same as he was even at the beginning of the year I think good things can come from that on the other side uh as much as you'd like to run the football I mean you got to go out there and you got to make plays in the passing game Houston secondary is pretty good. They got Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph. They got some pretty good cornerbacks there. Their pass rush, as we mentioned a little bit ago, should be should be contained there with Larry Tunsil and Jawan James. So ultimately, it's going to come down to you know the Devontae Parkers versus the Jonathan Josephs, the Danny Amendola's in the slot against a Kareem Jackson, Jakeem Grant, what he can do there. Um, I think if Brock Osweiler can go out there and make plays in the passing game, you know, build off that run game, but make those play action passes, those quick passes. Uh, get the ball into his playmaker's hands, that's when good things are going to happen. So for me, as much as you want to go out there and run the football, stop the run, you got to go out there and you got to stop the passing game. You got to make Deshaun Watson beat you. And ultimately, you got to get the ball to Brock Osweiler's hands because once they get to those playmakers, that's when big things happen. So uh, it's it's going to be a fun matchup. And like we said earlier, this is the divisional game. These are the matchups at the end of the year, just like that Cincinnati game. These are the matchups at the end of the year that are could ultimately decide on who makes it into the playoffs with a wild card spot. So this is a big game. We know we don't do well on Thursday night football, but let's hope the Dolphins can turn things around and go out there and get things done on the road with a depleted roster. Dolphins are ravaged by injuries. If they have their guys healthy, I'd say this game is a pick em. I'm not confident just because of all the injuries on a short week. On a short week, you don't really install a lot, any new things. You just kind of go with what you've been going with. It's going to come down to coaching in this game, guys. It's going to come down to coaching. Adam Gase, Matt Burke, Dowell Loggins need to step their game up and get these guys in the right position to succeed. Make it simple. Make it stupid. Make it easy for them to execute Darren Rizzi as well. We said for the Lions game that Kerryon Johnson scared the heck out of us, and boy, did he show that. And we all knew, talking here on Finsider Radio last week, the Dolphins versus Lions was not a layup at all, despite the Lions record. 
We're saying the same thing again against the Texans. It's a big game because it's a, a not a divisional game, but a conference game. And like you said, how this can come down to tiebreakers at the end of the season. Lions game, not a huge loss when you look at it. Yes, you'd love to go 5-2, and two, but it's not a huge loss. It's a non-conference opponent. And when you look at tiebreakers, it's probably not going to come into play. But if the Dolphins want to stay on the right track, they need to win on Thursday night. Get to 5-3. and three. Finish the second quarter of the season for two and two, total of four games, obviously a quarter, at minimum two and two, and get on the right track as they head into the third quarter of the season. Any last thoughts, outs? Nope, man. Just these games. This is, I mean, it's early in the year. This is what, the eighth game? Are we heading into week eight? Yes, we are. I mean, this this game could ultimately decide the Dolphins' fate for the rest of the year. I mean, as crazy as it is with how depleted they are, how it's a road game, short week. I mean, if they win this game, I think it changes everyone's impression of them, what they could build upon for the rest of the year. You said it best, coaching. Coaching's been the issue. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type stuff. One week, Kevin, or one week Matt Burke's defense looks great. Adam Gase's offense looks great. The next week, you know, it's the opposite. Offense is good. Defense is bad. Vice versa. I mean, these are the games that you go out there and you got to beat a very good Houston Texans team coming off a four game win streak. I mean, this is what the season's made of a huge win on the road against Houston would go a long way for the rest of the year. So as crazy as it is to say, you know, week eight, this is a must win game. The dolphins have to win this game if they want to be real contenders at the end of the season. So just go out there, do, do what you did to get here, establish the run, let Brock Osweiler do minimal in the passing game, stop the run on defense forced Deshaun Watson to make mistakes and good things can come of it. Uh, like you said, I'm not confident in this. I, If I had to put money on it, I'd probably put Houston to win it, but my heart's with the Dolphins. Let's see what Brock Osweiler can do. Get that revenge game, get the W, and get back to Miami where you can get healthy for 10 days. Absolutely. We said before the second quarter of the season if the Dolphins go 2-2, two and two, that's a win for them. They have a chance to go 2-2 two and two on Thursday night before heading into the third quarter of the season versus the Jets, Packers, Colts, and Bills. And again, that should be 2-2, two and two, but Realistically, three and one, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Dolphins versus Texans, Thursday night football, primetime TV, national TV audience. Will the Dolphins continue their poor Thursday night trends or will they turn it around and surprise a lot of people, including us, by taking care of the Texans? We'll see it all unfold Thursday night football once again on Fox. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman with the call. And we'll be here Friday for you to recap the game and look ahead to the game against the Jets. For Josh Houts, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Miami has a dolphin.
the greatest football team. We train the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.